Welcome to It Just Makes Sense, a podcast by two easily distracted, higher educated, former lovers that explores all of the unpopular opinions, conspiracy theories, and cult leaders that make you want to scream, It, it Just, just makes, makes Sense. I'm Sam Smith. And I'm Jeff Seifert. And this week, I'm back. Jesus, take the wheel. I saw TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> this Southern guy, he was like, I don't believe Jesus was male. And if there's a Messiah walking the planet, her name is Dolly Parton. And I call her <laughs> Jesus. So, so I've, been, I, I've been saying it to work. Uh, I was saying it to people at work. I'm like, Jesus loves you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I notice like when I'm at work and I get frustrated when I talk to some of my employees, I only have three. Mm-hmm. And one's on maternity leave now. So I have two. And so whenever I get frustrated, I'm like, whatever. I, at this point, let go and let God. Yeah. Or I'll be like, tell them Jesus takes the wheel. And then finally, I was like, you know what, guys? I'm not that religious. I think I'm just brainwashed <laughs> from my earlier youth. Because I'm like, what if they're offended that I just keep talking about God? I do it a lot, too. Me, too. I, like, say stuff like that. Because I'm trying that. to be funny. Oh, or, I'm oh. just, like, being for real, me. Are you, I, I've started to replace... I think I've done it on the pod a few times. I started to replace God with Betty White. Yes. Like, it's in Betty White's mm-hmm, hands mm-hmm, now. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. she's in control. That's true. That's what I need to start doing. Yeah. Pick a celebrity. Yeah, a it's in one. God's hands now. Like, I always yeah. say stuff mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for some reason, I was just thinking Heath Ledger. It's in Heath Ledger's hands. Oh, I don't know why. Bernie Murphy. Oh, good one. Good one. Mm-hmm. Mm. So this it's week- in Big Ange's hands now. Oh. <laughs> let go and let Big Ange. Let go and let Ange. <laughs> I like it. I like it a lot. Okay, anyways. I, the reason oh. why I said Jesus takes the Focus. wheel- is because i've got the range jeff's got the range today guys, don't turn the pot off it's a good one <laughs> i promise i'll Hopefully try not to be boring really did his research i did my research i reread it i did the script twice it's gonna oh, be shit. good i don't do any of those things continue <laughs> well you have much more natural <laughs> talent than me so this week this is the story of jody who's in truett she's an anchor at kmit in mason city iowa a lot of this comes from 2020, Gone at Dawn. Oh, my God. Is, okay. Well, you can ask. I don't want to ask, because then what if that is the one I'm thinking of? And you're like, that's the case. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like you were going to say the ending? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's okay. why I'm like, wait, no. Okay, go. <laughs> so on June 27th, 1995, Jody Hoosen Truett was awoken by the calls of her morning show producer at 4 a.m. She was over an hour late for work. I was going to say 4 a.m. Bitch slept in if you're a morning anchor. Yeah, yeah. Cause she said that normally she gets there at 3.30. Yeah. Sick. I know. The two women had an agreement to call each other if they were late. It happened before, but according to her producer, Amy Coons, she made it to the station within 10 to 20 minutes. Wow. Jody lived about a mile from the station, so a quick arrival was expected. At 4.30, her producer called again, and it went straight to the answering machine. The producer called one more time at 5, then decided she would go on air herself at 6. After the show, she called the police to do a welfare check on Jody because it was unusual for her to miss an entire show. Several people wondered why she waited, but she just assumed that Jody fell back asleep and didn't expect anything nefarious. Like, why she... I would have... It's not like she waited that long to call the police. I know, but they were saying that that a lot of people were saying that she should have called before the show. Like, it wasn't wasn't her... uh, 
Like it wasn't characteristic of Jody to ever be that late. Like as as soon as she she never missed a show. Yeah. So at five thirty, she probably maybe somebody should have sent somebody there. I, I guess because I'm like to call the police would seem a little yeah drastic. It turns out it wouldn't made a, it wouldn't have made a difference. Oh okay. Because by that point, like I, I mean yeah. a lot. Unless somebody was there, right? Unless she yeah, called the police like, the first time she called, right. it wouldn't have made a difference. Right. Okay. Anywho. So about 7 a.m., the police arrived to Jody's apartment complex. They found quite the scene in the parking lot. Oh, my God. Her belongings from her purse were strewn about the parking lot and around her car. Jody was known for driving a cherry red Mazda Miata. Mm. The car had some damage to it as well in a noticeable palm print that was later found by crime investigators. Her red pumps were left by the car, and you could see the heels dragged along the pavement. (gasps) Jody was clearly abducted. After scouring the parking lot, the police went into her apartment, where there were various items around the place that signified to investigators that Jody may not have been alone the night before. There were two wine glasses and several beer cans in the sink. The bed was made, but there was a key clue that still haunts investigators to this day. The toilet seat in the bathroom was left up. Since okay. She, since she lived alone, they assume a man may have been there around the time of her disappearance. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I would. I mean, unless there was like cleaning supplies, I would. Yeah. I think that would be an right. indication that at least there was a man was there. Was there pee around the rim? Because then it was probably my husband. <laughs> <laughs> I never lift the seat up, so it wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you have to lift the seat up? You can't just aim it in the big ass hole. Uh, Why do men have to lift it up? Lazy. It's, really? I don't know. Oh, okay. I I haven't lifted a toilet seat in probably fifteen years. And like also gross to touch it. I have lived with women for the last fifteen years. I haven't touched a toilet seat in that long. You are just a gentleman. Get yourself a gay man. And you. But who took Jody? Yeah, who? Was it a jealous <laughs> was it a jealous lover? No. Was it a stalker? No. Perhaps someone from a controversial case she was working on? No, I don't think that either. Those are just a few theories people have floated. <laughs> I think it was an online hookup went bad. This was back in 1993. No, it wasn't. 1990? Okay. Is that what I said? 93? Yeah. Early 90s. I mean, there is online message boards. Okay, maybe it was a personal ad gone wrong. Okay, maybe. It wouldn't have been hard to find her because back in 1995, her address and phone were published in the Mason City phone book. It's so crazy. Wild. Because we used to, I would look in there all the time for everything. There. Looking back, that is wild. There is a photo of my sister and I. I know. I remember you telling this. In the Lockport paper where three and five or five and seven, we're at this um, ice cream stand opening. It has our name, age, and address. That's wild. Isn't Why would people your address? It's a it's a wonder I was never abducted. I was cute. Like Jeffrey Seaver, age three of six hundred seven. Um, I, I was gonna drive. say like that's so wild. Crazy. Why did they just say Lockport, New York? I don't know. Interesting. So let's start where Sam likes to start. At the beginning, who exactly was Jody? Who's in truth? She was a Minnesota native raised in Long Prairie, Minnesota. Minnesota. She had an older sister and is remembered as a precocious little girl who took an interest in broadcast journalism from a young age. She attended St. Cloud State, Minnesota for broadcast journalism and was thought to have admired Oprah. <laughs> Connie Chung. I love Connie Chung. Married to Moe Povich. <laughs> I was a broadcast journalism major. Were you really? For like a year. Oh, hilarious. 
Want to know what? Okay, can I please tell you? Yes. When I auditioned to be a news anchor at Oswego, yeah. they like didn't really prepare. Well, I should have been more prepared, but I wasn't. And I interviewed, I went on air and auditioned with one of my friends. And we had an ad lib at the end because they wanted to see if we could. Yeah. And they were like, can you please ad lib about Hurricane Katrina? Because it was a big event that happened uh. at the time. And I was like, sure. I don't keep up to date with current events. <laughs> so like at the end, I was just like, they're evacuating Women and small children to whatever Astrodome in the wake of Hurricane Katrina. And my friend that was auditioning with me goes, and also men and older children are also being evacuated. Not just the women and small children. I was like, okay. (laughs) You're well fired. You didn't get the job. We did not get the job. (laughs) However... I went on to direct, produce, and edit with two other girls, the highest rated um, public television show. Like, you know how you can do like yeah. public whatever? For two years at Us We Go called Date My, Date My Roommate. Nice. It was like MTV's Date My Mom, but they dated their roommates. Very cool. Thank you. Anyways, continue. So Jody was a young, vivacious, blonde anchorwoman mm. who definitely stood out in Mason City. Think Rose Nyland, but younger, prettier. Who's Rose Nyland? From the Golden Girls. Oh, okay. Oh, my God. <laughs> Betty White. Okay. Long before Serial in 2003, findjody.com and later a podcast was set up to help local authorities get to the bottom of the case. So the, she went missing in 1995, and in 2003 yeah, they made this website? So they still have these billboards up in the area. Wow. tips on this woman. Like, they're obsessed with finding her, and they just can't. Well, we'll get to that later. Yeah. So this group was a group of citizens loose dedicated to finding the missing anchor woman. It consisted of several journalists and a retired police officer. So let's take a look at some of the theories. Theory number one we'll look at is a stalker. Among several mm-hmm. witnesses not. and friends of Jody's was Colleen Devine, a local radio DJ who recalled at the time there were some rough areas in Mason City. She wouldn't even drive through them during the daytime. She was especially conscious of her safety because she had a stalker herself. There was a night when a stalker rifled through her clothes in her apartment. She recounted a day when she drove by Jody's apartment complex and Jody was just out rollerblading. <laughs> she asked Jody if she was nuts. What a, what a promiscuous whore for being on those rollerblades. <laughs> How dare she? <laughs> she suggested that she shouldn't do that around her apartment, that she should do it in the park. So people wouldn't know where she lived. All right. That's not a bad idea. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't a while. I was like, oh, that makes sense. Because I thought the first thing, too. I was like, so what? Okay, yeah. And then like, she whatever. got to the chase. I was like, all right. Yeah, I get it. But I don't think it's a stalker because why would there be two wine glasses and beer? Like, you wouldn't invite your stalker in and hang out. Well, that could be completely circumstantial. They may not have had anything to do with it. Yeah. I don't think it was a stalker. Continue. So there was no evidence that Jody explicitly feared anyone specifically around the time of her disappearance. Uh, but she was taking self-defense classes during this time period. However, earlier in 1994, before she went missing, Jody made a report to the Mason City Police that she was being followed. Mm-hmm. She was out for a run and said she was just being followed by a white truck with no other specifics. Nothing about a driver, nothing. Mm-hmm. So theory number two was at the time of her disappearance, Jody was working on a drug trafficking story. Mason City had somewhat of a meth problem, and Jody may have been determined to expose it. 
Okay, I could see that. Part of this theory involves she was doing some investigative reporting on her own about a possible Um, meth ring in Mason City. Okay. This theory, however, her producer vehemently denies. That she was doing that? Mm -hmm. Interesting. Jody was not assigned anything by the station, and he even went as far as to say that she had no interest in doing that type of journalism. Gotcha. Let's jump back to the investigation. During the morning of the abduction, a canvas of the building was launched. Police officers went door to door and discovered many of the residents heard a scream from the parking lot. No one looked, went out to look. No one called the police. No one investigated on their own. Sadly, no. Typical Sam Smith behavior. <laughs> Sadly, no one reported the screams to the police when they happened. Like you just said, I, I wouldn't have done it either. I wouldn't have. Just My because husband, you hear Cameron would have, 100%. Just screaming? Yes. I said, unless, I was thinking, unless they were saying, like, stop, don't hurt me, let me go, like, something like that. I think like it depends that. on the nature of the scream. Agreed. Agreed. Like, if it's a blood-curdling scream, you probably. Would? Yeah. I, it definitely would. Yeah. I wouldn't just call just because I heard screaming. Like, I've lived in cities before. Yeah. I'm just having a good time, probably. Hooting and hollering. Cameron would. <laughs> First sign of distress, he's on the phone, 911. So in addition to the screaming, another witness from the apartment complex told investigators they heard someone banging on Jody's door, yelling, I know you're in there, Jody. Let me in the night before the abduction. They, again, didn't call the police? I guess not. They, so. I don't think I would have called the police for that, but I think if I was in the apartment complex, I would have opened the door and been like, what the fuck's going on? Yeah, I would have looked my head out. I would have looked out and been like, what are you doing? Yeah, why are you banging on the chick's door trying to get her to let you in? Right. Clearly, something is going wrong. Yeah. So Detective Terrence Prohaska was a lead investigator on the case and still is to this day. He he believes Jody knew her abductor. I believe that too. Well, good. An, investi- an investigator doing interviews, not Prohaska, this is a different guy, was doing interviews in the building uh, around the time of Jody's disappearance. One of her neighbors, Joan Horahan. <laughs> <laughs> what a name. <laughs> that was my cousin's uh, married name. Horahan? Yeah, Horahan, yep. Interesting. Joan said she heard a man banging on the door for three to four minutes. Okay. If that Again, was, no one's saying anything. Yeah. Like, if I was in the apartment complex, I'd be like, what the fuck are you doing? For three to four That's minutes? That's what I mean. That yeah. long? I would be like, yo. Something is wrong. Why? Stop. First, I would be like, like you're annoyed at the That's sound. What I, mean. yeah. like, I would have been like, okay, you're just annoyed. I don't give a shit if you're not being let in or not. Just stop. Okay. Go home, dick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm calling the cops. That's probably what I would have yelled. And then not call them. However, what's weird about the situation is that's not the story she told the police the day of the abduction. She didn't she even talk to the oh she, Joni Joan, didn't tell the police. She that. didn't even mention why, it. Why not? Jo- she so was the scared? detective just chalked it up to unreliable witness testimony. So they kind of yeah. just disregarded it. Yeah. Like it may or may not have happened. Oh. I, She's probably think, lying. Well, I think she she could have not like pieced them together yeah. as being connected. And then uh I think that she could have exaggerated it too yeah but that's it really hadn't doesn't have much to do with it anymore because you know that's something i would do exaggerate it yeah, yeah i think people when they retell stories they tend to embellish yeah. things i do so i don't know 
The day before her disappearance, <laughs> Jody was scheduled to take part in a charity golf event at nearby Mason City Country Club. Was there Club. going to be celebrities there? She was the celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> She's a local TV news anchor. She's a celebrity. So she played a round of golf <laughs> and went home to change and returned for a charity uh, dinner for the charity back, na- back that night at the club. Jody left the dinner around 8 o'clock, according to many people at the event. She returned home and made a long-distance call to her friend. That's how we knew she made it home. Man, 1993, what a wild time to be alive. Right, right. How much did that phone call cost? Seriously. It was also discovered based on a journal Jody kept that the weekend before she had gone on a water skiing trip. In addition to the skiing trip, Jody and her friends were out bar hopping. Why is this significant, you yeah, ask? Yeah, what does this matter? The next two theories coming right up. <laughs> so the other place was a local sports bar in Mason City that was one of Jody's hotspots. She was known to hang out with two men regularly, Bill Pruin and John Van Sice. Now, why are these names significant? Because these two men were on the water skiing trip, too. They took John's boat. Why is, again, I don't find the correlation. (laughs) (laughs) Cool, she has friends. Cool, they hung out. Cool. So John Van Sice was a local salesman that lived in Jody's apartment building for a little while. Okay. And Bill Pruin was a divorced farmer who lived in the Mason City area. A farmer. A few weeks before Jody's disappearance, Bill Pruin was shot to death. <gasps> it was oddly immediately ruled a suicide, and then after a year's investigation, it was changed to undetermined. Interesting. After the unusual circumstances of Bill Pruin's death, his daughters hired a private investigator to investigate the circumstances. Okay. The investigator determined, based on the size of the gun, that the barrel was too long and there was no way Bill Pruin could have used that at that angle in an attempt to kill himself. Yeah. So this brings us to the next theory. Jody was investigating Bill's death. She was abducted oh. after she came across some evidence in his murder. His name sounds familiar. It does. Did they think that his wife and daughter killed him? No. Oh, okay. Continue. But if she was investigating his murder or suspicious death, she made no one aware of the fact it was happening. Well, maybe with that, she didn't want people to know because it was be. her friend. Could be. Bill's daughters, her family, or even her producers again, had not heard a thing in regards to that subject. Mm. I wanted to ask the throughout the entire episode. Did the prefer, did the producers even know what the fuck she was doing? They're like, yeah. no, she wasn't working on that. She wasn't doing that. So, like, she, what was she what working? Was she on? working on? Maybe she was just like, um, you know, Danny from Bob Saget, Bob Saget yeah. from Full House, just like a Good Morning, good time morning San shows. Francisco yeah. type thing. Where like they just did like what fluff his, pieces. What was his wife's Vicky? Oh, yeah, remember Vicky? Yeah. So the private investigator and his daughters believe that he was walking into the house with wet shoes on, slipped, and the gun accidentally discharged, killing himself. I don't believe that one second. Uh, I think it was accidental. I'm not sure that it happened exactly like that, but so there Where was he shot? In the head, stomach, back, leg, chest? The chest at at an upward angle. Okay. So there was no sign of forced entry or signs of anyone else even being in the house. It was sadly just determined to be an accident. Accident, okay. This theory was debunked. 
So now on to the other gentleman in her life, John Van Sice. This guy's a real creeper, in my opinion. So this guy shows up at the apartment complex immediately following Jody's disappearance. Okay. He tells police that he was the last one to see Jody alive. He tells police that he was with her the night before, that she stopped over to his apartment to watch a video he shot of a birthday party he threw for her a little while back. Again, 1993, wild, wild times. times. The hair, even wild. <laughs> so, but this seems like a little bit of a stretch. The timeline is just too tight. Jody was seen leaving the charity dinner by multiple people at 8 p.m. Right. Then she made a call from her home at 8.30. Right. So she had so she had time to drive over to John's house, watch a video, and make it home by 8.30. Even if it was next door, that still makes the timeline too tight. No, it didn't happen. The video, which he showed to police, was 15 minutes long. And then he even said that they chatted after. And then we find out that the call from Jody's began at 8.24. No. Somebody's not telling the whole story, John. And, like, there's no way that she would have gone home, called her friend, then went back out. Right. Well, then, so even if, so then some, like, I thought, well, maybe she didn't, maybe she left a little bit before 8. Like, that's the only way that. Yeah. I guess it could have fit. But even so, that's still really tight. Yeah. But think about it. If, like, you're at an event and someone leaves between 7.30 and 8, you're just going to say 8. Like, you know what I mean? Right. I don't know, sometime right. around 8 o'clock, whatever. Agreed. So now through the investigation, we come to find out that John named his boat Jody. Okay. After her. I don't think that's weird. That's fucking weird. What if they were friends? If I had a boat and I named it, named it Sam? I- Weird. If you didn't, <laughs> I was literally about to be like, if I had a boat, I would probably name it Seabreeze or Jeff. Well, that's a little different. <laughs> See? And that makes sense. You're obsessed with me. So clearly, he's obsessed with her. I like how I'm like, and? <laughs> you didn't even bat an eyelash. It wasn't clear, though, whether or not she knew the boat was named after her. Okay, that's weird to me that she wouldn't know. Well, so there was... Especially because she was on the goddamn boat for the ski trip. There's some discussion that he changed the name after she died, after she disappeared. Okay, well, that makes sense to me. Oh, In honor of your friend? Why not? I don't know. Okay. He just seems like a creep to me. Continue. I find nothing about him creepy so far. So... A key piece of the evidence in support of John was that Jody never wrote anything negative about him in her diary. You figured if she would have felt uncomfortable, yeah. you'd think if he pressured her into sex or right. even expressed feelings of interest that she would have noted it. Right. So most everyone said their relationship was more like father-daughter than anything because he was a little bit like she was in her late 20s and he was in his 50s. Ew. Okay. Now I'm weirded out by it. Oh, okay. So sorry. I guess I left that piece out. Yeah. So yeah. He was, that's fucking weird. Yeah. He was in his 50s and she was in her, in her, in her late 20s. Mm-hmm. No, that's weird. So in the show, his friend LaDonna, which I loved her. I love her name. Spoke on his behalf. And said she was devastated thinking about John and Jody. He loved her. He wanted nothing but to protect her, according to LaDonna. And he even had a girlfriend at the time. He was not sexually interested in Jody. Okay, just because you had a girlfriend doesn't mean that you can't be sexually interested in somebody else. Right. LaDonna. LaDonna. If that is your real name. So, as we 
Always known that these things aren't reliable, John took two polygraphs and claims to have passed them both. The detective, Prohaska, who we've talked about a few times, is interviewed, and he says, I can't really release the information about that with a snicker. So clearly, he's like, telling you he didn't. He didn't. So John also testified before a grand jury, and charges were never filed. So Hmm. it seems that he would be off the hook. Yeah. However, the suspicion has lingered over him for nearly 25 years. Sadly, investigators are running out of time with John if he is still the suspect because he is known to have early stages of advanced Alzheimer's disease. I mean, at this point... So you don't want them to find her, abductor? No, I want them to find Uh, out what happened, but I feel like Alzheimer's is even worse than jail. Like, it's a horrible disease. Not on the person. Around people, yeah. I think for the person, too. Well, you don't remember that you have it, right? (laughs) (laughs) You're literally the worst. So yet another suspect in this case is Tony Jackson. Who the fuck is that? Tony Jackson was a convicted rapist. He did it. In the Minneapolis-St. Paul area. He did it. Which is about two hours north of Mason City. So this is like... A stretch. No, it's actually not. Okay. But I'm like, when I was watching this, I was like, oh, I didn't know Mason. I didn't know Minnesota and Iowa bordered each other. I I don't know much about geography in the middle middle of the country. Minnesota. (laughs) Tony Jackson was known to, was convicted and known to carry a rape kit. I'm not sure why they felt that it was necessary to add this, but inside a fanny pack, it contained handcuffs, a rope, mask, duct tape, and a gun. It's like, what's his name? Um, Israel Keys. Yeah, 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 the murder kits. Yeah. So previous to the rape charges he was convicted of committing in Minnesota, Tony Jackson was living in, you guessed it, Mason City, Iowa, right at the same time Jody Truett went missing. But like where in Mason City? A block away from oh, KMIT. He, he got obsessed with her. The and he station did it. Jody worked at. So in 1998, a few years after the disappearance, Dennis Goff, a jailhouse informant, confessed that Tony Jackson told him that he abducted and murdered a TV anchorwoman and even had written a rap about it. Does he sing the rap? Uh,. One of the, I don't know if it was the detective or who it was, but somebody kind of raps it. (gasps) Do it right now for me. No, I don't know the lyrics. But the rap (laughs) included cryptic lyrics about the location of a body in Tiffin. So not so coincidentally, there's a Tiffin, Iowa, relatively close to Mason City. Okay. Investigators began to wonder if the rap was directions to the location of Jody's body. 100% was. Police and investigators took cadaver dogs to a site that may have been referred to in the rap, but the dogs came up empty. So journalist Maria Oz went to the jail where Tony Jackson was held to interview him about Jody. She started with questions about Tiffin. Jackson on the show said he had never even been to Tiffin. He... So who is this other jailhouse informant? This snitch didn't know what he was talking about. Apparently. I want... How do you become a jailhouse informant? I don't know. All right. He even said, and I thought this was a good point. He said, because he was a, he's a large black man. He's yeah. like six four. He's a big guy. He believed he's like I believe that if a large black man like me were in Tiffin, Iowa, a small rural town, someone 
would have seen me. Someone right. would have remembered and like, it. Think of it this way too. If it was a six four black man pounding on a woman's door right. in the middle of the right. night, no one's gonna call the police exactly. or say anything. Not to, like you Little know what I mean. Little Joan isn't gonna Little get on the Joan's horn. Little Joan's not gonna get on the horn. Agreed. In Agreed. Iowa. And what I thought was really kind of remarkable, he had no qualms about admitting to being a rapist. He's like, I'm I'm one hundred. A, a lot of people when they interview them like come out and they're like, yep. He was like, yes, I'm a rapist. Yeah. I did all of that. He goes, I had a problem, but I'm not a murderer. And yeah. you will not convict me of a murder, being murderer. I was like, huh. It's a, a line he, w- it's a a line he will not cross. All right, Jeff? <laughs> He'll rape bitches. He'll but he rape, but he will, not kill, he will not kill them. Oh, it was pretty wild. It is wild. So Detective Prohaska believes that Tony had nothing to do with the disappearance of Jody. And no DNA matches and only circumstantial oh. evidence link him. The investigation again is back at square one. Or is it? Uh, dun, dun, dun. Another sex offender comes out of the woodwork and tells authorities that he knows Jody's dead. How? Thomas Gary Corscadden was a sex offender who lived in Austin, Minnesota, an hour from Mason City. His ex-wife wondered if he could have been involved and told investigators of her concerns. He drove a white van, which Jody may have confused uh, with a white truck. Right, right, right. The van had a mattress in the back. Ew! That he admitted to having sex with hookers on. Creep. Ew! The morning of the abduction. I guess though, if I was a hooker, I'd be like, huh? Kind of nice. Kind of nice. Better than the Mexican. That's car. what I mean. Like, <laughs> well, he brought it to me. <laughs> the morning of the abduction, a witness reported that a white van had been in the area of Jody's apartment complex. Oh my God. The witness, Randy Lindemann, reported a white van parked at the apartment complex on his morning commute with his flashers on. He remembered it because he thought it was odd it was there. I, I never would have noticed that. I would not have never noticed that. Mo- and if I did, that, I wouldn't have thought it odd. That that early in the morning? No. Would never have noticed that. Nope. Very strange. So in addition to the tip about the white van, Corscadden's ex-wife reported that he had an interest in Jody. He was furious when he couldn't get a ticket to a KMIT event where he could have seen her. The golf tournament. At one point, Corscadden even bragged to an officer transporting him that he knew Jody was dead, and he had a hand in it. <gasps> However, later he changed his story. He was interviewed, fingerprinted, palm printed, and sadly, they were not a match to the palm print on the why car. Why do people at do this? Like, why do they admit to shit I that know. like they didn't do? I know. I know. Yet another suspect cleared. In June of two thousand one, Jody was legally declared dead. In fall of 2020, the Fine Jody team received a tip about huh? a freezer that was buried in nearby New Hartford. The man who shared the tip told a story about his grandfather's deathbed confession <gasps> that he was par- paid to bury a taped and padlocked freezer shut. Would you do that? How much money? Uh, I don't think I would. How much money? They're giving. They're going to give you five mil. How would I have to do it by hand? <laughs> <laughs> then no. Now where's my time? <laughs> do I get like equipment? Maybe. <laughs> I know. Like, would you? I don't know. I don't know. 
Because it's like if they find out. In spring 2021, law enforcement dug up the freezer and nothing of note was found inside. How annoyed would you Yet fucking another be if you were a police officer? fucking end. Also, how paranoid would you be for, if you were that old man for the rest of your life you think you buried a dead body and then they dig it up and there's like nothing well, in it? Well, he's dead. But I just mean like before yeah. he died, he's probably like looking over his shoulder all the time so Well, they nervous. said nothing of note. They didn't say no, what was yeah. in it. So who knows if right. there was like drugs or money True. or yeah, what yeah, they yeah, found yeah. on it. They wouldn't release. They wouldn't talk about what was inside yeah. it. So the case is still unsolved. Who could have done it? Do you think it's any of the suspects in this case? Could the DNA fingerprint evidence be wrong? Detective Prohaska believes he knows who did it. <gasps> and when he has all the evidence, he'll put cuffs on that son of a bitch. He's so fucking annoying. Who does he think did it? He won't say. That's annoying. He, he won't say he doesn't want to jeopardize the case. He thinks he knows. Okay, sir, it's been like 14 years. Just fucking say it. 14? It's I been don't know. 30. Math. It's been 30 years. <laughs> I know. Well, but point, if he's wrong, he could be sued for defamation. Whatever. I think it's at John Van Sice. Do you? Yeah. I think you got the boat? Yeah. It seemed like he, it seemed real creepy to me. All right. But yeah, I think it was him. I think. Because I think if he was at the apartment complex right, and people like, saw you, him, they would have been Do you think that he okay. made up this? Do you think that maybe he actually went over to her apartment to show her that video and then he tried to like make a move on her and she said no? Oh. I don't know. Maybe. So then he like used the story of the video to kind of like you and I mean yeah, like an excuse every like when yeah. you tell the when you kind of have a truth, it's easier to lie, like make it into what it really could have been. I was, I'm reading this book, and one of the lines from the book is, "The best lies are most mostly the truth." truth. Right, yeah. that's what yeah. I mean. So, like, he just changed it a little bit, and that's bit. how he could pass any lie detector test because he's technically telling the truth. Right, but you know what I mean? Yeah, it's crazy. Interesting. I was real annoyed. I thought they. I thought they. Would solve it. Yeah, I thought they would solve it at the end because they're just uh, another suspect. Another suspect. Another I don't suspect. know. I don't know if it's any of them. You don't? I kind of think it was someone that like maybe she was seeing. But why wouldn't she write about someone she was seeing, seeing in, her in her journal? In her journal, yeah. That's why I think it was at John Van Zeiss because yeah. like he was present in her life and people saw them together. Yeah. You know? True. Yeah. That's crazy. So let us know, friends. What let you, us know what, what you, do you think. think happened. I don't like when you tell the stories. Why? Because you get so serious and your voice just stays like, and then there was another suspect That's in the killing of that. Wanda Sykes. Blah, 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 Wanda blah, blah. Sykes? I don't know. I just said her just name. Said? And like, you don't have any inflection in your voice. Just talk normal. No, I'm trying to be a oh creepy podcast. God. Here host. we go. <laughs> People like my soothing voice. I hate voice. that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not soothing at all. Let me know what you think of my voice. <laughs> if you like my podcast voice. You can join the discussion on our Facebook group. It just makes sense. Facebook discussion group. You can follow us on Instagram at it just makes sense podcast. You can follow me at WWCM and the buff. You can follow me at Jeff C on Twitter. One F and Jeff. Sign to his DMs. Tell him if you like his boy. Get it. Bye. Bye.